So, uh, we're going through the Bible, each book of the Bible. Thank you for Deuteronomy uh, yesterday, uh, last week. Um, that is a hard book to understand, uh, just because Moses kept repeating the law and giving them a little bit more and a little bit more, and that uh, we should love our uh, God uh, you know, uh, with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. And uh, that was put on their hands and their foreheads in these little boxes. Uh, he wasn't talking literally to do that, um, but um, it's really cool to go over to Jerusalem today and you see it on their doorposts and they kiss the doorposts as they go in and, uh, and seeing them with those things. But he is saying that our mind and our spirit should have the word of God and that we should have it handy in our life each and every day. And so thank you, Dean, for doing that. So today we're going to talk about Joshua. And uh, if you read through Joshua, it's all about not having fear. And um, I think we need this more than probably ever in the history of the world. Because it is getting harder and harder to follow Jesus. And that's okay. Uh, he never said it was going to be, you know, a bed of roses or, or a nice, happy, go-lucky kind of life. When you follow Jesus, it is being a rebel to the world. It is being a rebel to Satan. It is defying what the world tells you to do. The world tells you to do what you want to do and that you are God. And guess what? You are not God. And whatever you do, there will be consequences, either good or bad. And so fear creeps into us. And it says also that uh, true love... Drives out what? Fear. Now, here are some interesting things about fear. Human fear can be interesting. According to the recent study published by Psychological Science, humans react to each other's sense. They can smell fear on others. More specifically, in the type of sweat they produce when they are fearful. So if you sweat when you're fearful, they can smell you. Sorry. Rational fear is the fear of something real, something that is entirely plausible or that will happen. An example is the fear of mortality because of all humans, earth, everybody on earth is going to pass away. Irrational fear, though, is something that is impossible, but that doesn't mean that fear doesn't come from a real place of the psyche. The fact that matter, that fear is fear, no matter what it is, or even if you don't really think it's real in the physical form. Much like certain topics in school, fear is often learned. Now, when you're a kid, what do you just do? You just do anything, right? I mean, when I jump down the stairs, I think my dad's going to catch me. The first time he doesn't, guess what I have? I've just learned fear. Okay? So as a kid, as a baby, you're like, you were all out. You were gone. Now, sometimes we don't grow out of that, and we're a teenager, and we think that we won't die, and we won't hurt ourselves, and so I did some stupid stuff. Okay? But you learn fear. For about 90% of the folks with specific phobias, facing their fear in a safe, controlled environment will actually overcome their fear. Let me give you an example. So I was a teacher down south for nine years for history and uh, Bible. And um, the, the middle schoolers, of course, middle schoolers, uh, like to dare the teacher to do things. Okay, And I was one of those teachers who... This is something to eat. I dare you to eat it. And guess what I would do every time? I would eat ant, cockroach, uh, you know, uh, scorpion, whatever it was. They said, oh, I dare you to eat it, Frankie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't too keen when we went to 
the zoo, and I have a deathly fear before then of snakes. I mean, deathly. I mean, I would, like, scream, at, you know, as a little kid and stand there until it bit me or it ran away, okay? But I wouldn't move. And my heart raced, and, you know, I fainted sometimes when a snake came with me. So they said, <laughs> Frankie, go up and hold the snake. I said, what? Absolutely not. And, of course, they screamed, they begged, and I said, no, I'm not doing that. And the person in the front was getting embarrassed, and I said, okay, sure, why not? I mean, it's in a safe environment. What is it, what's it going to do, choke me? And it was a 50-foot python. It was yellow. And... Uh, yeah, I'm still shaking right now. So, uh, of course, uh, the guy who was training it, two other middle schoolers, because they weren't afraid of, you know, they weren't afraid of anything, and me in the middle. And I'm shaking, and he puts it around my neck. And actually, I, it, it was cool. Like, I felt their muscles moving, and, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. And it was smooth, and it, I don't know. A- after that, I don't, particularly like snakes, but my fear is gone. Um, and uh, you should saw from the picture, I finally had it around my neck to when I got done, you should see my eyes. My eyes were like really wide, sweating, and then by the end, I was like, oh, this, this is nice. I still don't like them, okay? But I was fearful. And, and uh, looking at my fears and facing them, even because middle schoolers dared me, I appreciate that time. So there's two types of fear. Fear uh, for a non-Christian is that God is going to be the judge and he condemns. So if you're not a Christian, you need to get one because right now you're in the fearful judgment of God. As a Christian, we are supposed to fear God, but this is a word of respect, reverence, and piety. That he actually has everything in his hand and that we should respect him enough to say, hey, you told me to do it, I'm going to do it. You told me not to do it, I'm not going to do it. And so we can look at fear in a positive light for Christians and a negative light if you're not following Jesus. And so I hope that the fear of God is in you and you're walking with Christ. If you're not, then I don't like to be in your shoes. I would rather you come to Jesus and have respect for him and reverence and piety. So in Joshua, Joshua's heading to the promised land with the Israelites. Now the whole generation died of 40 years in the desert because they kind of disobeyed God and didn't want his help. And so after that, then Joshua came up against Jericho. And Jericho, uh, he had this, God had this plan of them going around the city with no weapons, just trumpets and loud voices. And then on the seventh day, they were supposed to scream and the walls would fall down. Now, uh, Joshua had better faith than I did because I'd be like, that's no plan. What, what plan is that? There's no weapons. There's no spears. There's no swords. We're not going in and like getting these catapults and boom. He just said, go around with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. And Joshua was good with that. And so as they destroyed these cities to get to the promised land, there was one that actually made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. And at this time, people knew that God would protect his people and that they would be destroyed if they messed with his people. But some kings didn't get the message very well. They thought they were better. And so here's Joshua. Um, 
here's Joshua in a, in a vulnerable place with the Israelites, and these kings were getting together to come destroy Joshua. Well, obviously, we've read the, read the Bible, and God always wins. But at this time, you know, Joshua and, and the Israelites were kind of in this place of what? Fear. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah, we've seen God do this before, but is he going to do it again? And Joshua stood faithful. He was the leader. And so we look at this, and fear, if we take things in our own hands, the fear is going to overcome us. If we try to take things in our own hands, fear will overcome us. Look at this, in Joshua chapter 10, 1 through 4. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai. It's not artificial intelligence. It actually is Ai. Okay, it's a, it's a city. That would be cool if it was back then. Anyway, and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its kings as he'd done to Jericho and its kings, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. So here's Gibeon, uh, who's in the middle of everything, and they're like, uh, we're going like, to have a peace treaty with you, Joshua, because we know what's going to happen. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were fight, good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japheth, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Whew. <laughs> okay, got through that one. I practiced that all week, so there you go. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So here's Gibeon, small little Gibeon. Now this is like um, Delaware calling out to all the people in California, hey, come protect us, okay? And, you know, there's a lot of people in California more than Delaware. That's my home state, if you didn't know, Delaware. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like New York, Chicago, and all these big cities were coming after Delaware. And he said, hey, can, can you come help us, please? We've made a treaty with you. Let's go. And so these kings wanted to destroy Gibeon. And then they were going to go after Joshua. So Gibeon's like, uh, we can't do this alone. Okay? And fear was going to overtake them. When we take things in our own hands, see, the, the kings were coming after Gibeon, and they wanted to take it in their own hands. They want to say, who's this God? We're going to destroy Joshua and Gibeon. Who cares what this God says? I mean, good grief, we have all these other gods. Why is this one so special? And so we see Jesus helping Gibeon with their fears. Look at Mark eleven seventeen through 18. And as he taught them, he said, it is not written. Is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So he, he's looking at, here's Jesus. We're jumping from, I'm, I'm sorry, I stripped gears here a little bit. Old Testament all the way to Jesus. Because, you know, the Old Testament is preaching about Jesus also. And so here's Jesus. He comes into the city and uh, these people have all this money changing and, and cheating out people for buying their sacrifices there at the temple. And it's not about the money or the purchasing. It's about they were cheating people out of money. Like this dove only costed maybe five denarii and they charged a hundred. And Jesus like, whoa, 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 whoa. You are cheating people out of money. He says this. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? 
but you have made it a den of robbers. He started turning over the tales, if you don't know the story. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they, what? Feared him. Now, is this a reverence fear? Is this a piety that God is better than anything else? No. This is a fear of, oh, they're going to take my power away. He's going to teach this, and then we can't have all this money. Because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. The Pharisees and Sadducees were really, really mad at him because we're teaching them other things. We're teaching extra what God tells us to do so we can get a little bit more money in my pocket. And here's Jesus turning over tables and saying, hey, you can't do that. So here's the people who feared Jesus because they were going to take the power away, wanted to go after Same with the the, the kings here in Joshua. They knew that God was going to destroy them if they didn't do something about it. They were fearful and they were trying to take it in their own hands. Hey, we're going to destroy the people first and then we'll go after this God. They tried to take it in their own hands. And once we try to take our life, while we take our things in our life, sometimes we got to just let it go. Because sometimes, if we put it in our own hands, we're going to fear that it fails. And it will fail if we don't have God in it. Humans will fail. If fear comes when we try to take it in our own hands, then asking for help will bring freedom. If we want freedom from fear, we're going to have to ask for it. We're going to have to ask Jesus. So freedom comes with asking for help. Here's Gibeon, all alone, small city, and they needed help. So who do they ask? By the story, who do they ask? Joshua and his, 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 his Israelites. So here we go, Joshua chapter 10, 5 through 6. Then five kings of Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Dermoth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. In our life, in our Christian life, we should be asking for help. That's why we come together on Sundays. We encourage and equip each other to go do the work of God. And then we call each other during the week saying, hey, what do you need? How how can I help you? Where can I I help you in in encouraging you and staying with Jesus? And, you know, we need to hear from each other. The church is not a Sunday thing. The church is all day, all time, to encourage one another. And so it brings freedom when we ask for help. Now, it will take away some of your pride. It will take some away of your ego. And you will have to humble yourself to other people and to God. But asking for help brings freedom. The more people we have, the less work we have. It can't be on one person at all times. So if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3 through 4, it says this. He shall say, hear, Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you. 
against your enemies to give you victory. Guys, God is right next to us when we have fear, when we have the, the troubles of our life. He is right there. He does not leave us. Now, we quote unquote feel like he left us, but he has not left us. He might be holding us. He might be hugging us. He might be putting his arm around us. He might be destroying the enemy in front of us and in back of us. But he's never going to leave us. Luke 4, 18 through 19 says this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This is Jesus speaking. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recover of sight for the blind, to set oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Guys, freedom comes from asking Jesus for help. Here's Gideon asking for the Israelites for help. Here is Jesus saying, look, if you come to me, the freedom from prison. What's our prison? We're all in prison if we're not with Jesus. Where's our prison? Sin and hell and destruction. And Jesus says, I'm going to free you from the prison of that. Freedom from being blind. When we're spiritually blind, we can't see God anywhere. We, we pick anything we want. Oh, this is a good God. We'll, we'll take that one and we'll take that one. But we can't see which one we're taking. If we're spiritually blind, when we come to Jesus, he opens our eyes from and we see the darkness now. We see that Jesus is the light. He opens our eyes. Freedom when we're in Jesus for being oppressed by the devil and sin anymore and shame and guilt. We have freedom. We have freedom to proclaim victory in Jesus's name. We could be like Gibeon and say, hey, Jesus, help us and we're going to claim victory in your name. So then true freedom rescues us so we can conquer in Jesus' name and move forward in battle. So here's Gibeon moving forward in battle because they've asked Joshua to come help. Joshua 10, 7 through 11 says this. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be what? Afraid. Oh, I wish we could hear that today, guys. Do not be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of going to Jesus. Do not be afraid. God is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Absolutely no one. Not our flesh, not others, not wars. Nothing can be against us. And yet we go around, we feel defeated as Christians. We are with God. And he's saying here again, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon. And cut them down all the way to Azek and Makeda as they fled before Israel on the road from Beth Oren to Akazah. The Lord hurled large hailstones down from them. Can you see that? Holy moly. And it wasn't on the Israelites or Gibeon. Where was it? It was on their enemy. And they're like, whoa, you. 
The Lord put him in confusion. The Lord brought hailstones. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. I'm telling you, don't mess with God and his people. That's why God says we can love our enemies. Because who's fighting for us? God. And we can love and forgive our enemies because they're not fighting against us. They're fighting against God. And I'm telling you, every story and everything that I've seen in the Bible and history, if you go against God, you will fail. It might not be instantaneously, but over time, you will fail. I'm 100% sure of all that all the time. He says, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of what they can do or say or lie about you. Even if they murder you, guess where you're going to be? With Jesus. So nobody can do anything to you. So why are we fearing them? Why do we fear the government? Why do we fear other people? Why do we fear death and dismemberment and, and COVID? And Don't fear anything. God has got it. This one speaks by itself. If we want true freedom from fear and we're moving forward as conquerors, then this should just <clears throat> give us a good kick in the butt. Watch this one. This is good. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, <laughs> say it one more time. If God is for us, oh, there you go. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's actually in between talking to God for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than what? We're conquerors, people. Spiritually, we are conquerors. We don't have to fear anything. Oh, maybe fear the cold. I mean, that's really... Anyway, no. We don't have to fear anything. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we see story after story in Joshua saying, do not be afraid, I am with you. On this side of the cross, Jesus is saying, when you're with me, I am with you always, don't be afraid. Stand up. Now, we're going to stand up in truth and love. We're not going to stand up and go, ah, I'm going to poke you in the eye because you don't believe in Jesus. I'm going to kick you in the butt. That's not love. We're supposed to teach love with truth. But whatever they do to us, they can't hurt us. They can't destroy us. When we overcome our fear by asking God for help and others, then we are more than conquerors in Christ. And then we can experience forever. Being helped with miracles. 
Joshua 10, 12 through 15. Here's a miracle. You ready? On the day, the Lord... Oh, miracle means that it's uh, that it can't be explained by science, and it's against all nature. Okay? Here we go. On that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun... What? <laughs> That's a miracle. Isn't the sun supposed to be going all the time? Well, who made the sun? I guess he can stop at any time he wants, right? And the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. And as written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, uh, God, I, I like this day. Can you, can you just stop it for a little bit? I mean, pretty much, Joshua's like, look, we want to destroy our enemies. We can't do it in the dark. We don't have flashlights or, you know, phones to, to see them. So can you, like, stop the sun for a little bit? There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all of Israel to camp at Gilgal. Everybody were, was destroyed with that miracle. Christianity is a religion of miracles. I mean, just look at the whole Bible, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The Bible does not tell us how some of these happened, but if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, if we believe that Jesus created everything by his mouth, why wouldn't it just happen? Do we really need an explanation how the waters came back? Do we really need an explanation how the star came? No, God did it. He can do anything he wants. He can go against his nature or go around what nature has for us. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He made us. There's no logical sense in why the sun stood still and the moon stood still. None. You can't explain that. Now, people have said, well, uh, that's why we have 365 and a quarter days, because the quarter of a day was back here. Stop trying to explain it. God can do whatever he wants. By faith, we know that happened. Look at John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, what does it say? Keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Guys, having the Holy Spirit in us, that is a miracle in and of itself. How does that work? Tell me scientifically, how does the Holy Spirit stay in us? Anybody? We just know it by truth, by faith. And so if we have the Holy Spirit and we have the same power that resurrected God from the dead, from Jesus, then why are we fearing anything in this world? When we are overcome, when we overcome fear by asking God for help and others, then we are more than conquerors in Christ. And we can experience forever in the miracles of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is found in Joshua all through it. No fear if we give it to Jesus. Real freedom comes from Jesus. Though we are forward in conquerors with Jesus. And we are forever with Jesus. Joshua knew it all the way back then. We need to know it today and live it in our lives. Let's pray.